What's up, guys? This week we got Colin Powell on the Nicola podcast. He talks about working a nine to five, balancing his social life, and building a personal brand all in a 45 minute episode. It's a banger. Drop a like for more content and uh, we'll get into it. It's good, man. Uh, thanks for having me. This is cool. You are popping on social media right now. You're working on a lot. You just kind of want to tell everybody what you've been up to lately. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm doing a couple different things, uh, predominantly uh, selling software for a company called Clavio. Um, so that's my nine to five. And then I do a lot on the side. I'm running a clothing brand called Hooper Farms uh, with my co-founder, Ryan. Um, and then doing TikTok, posting a lot of videos, fashion stuff, lifestyle stuff. And then just run around Boston trying to have a good time. I'm gonna try to get Peyton to wear it again. He, he wore a he wore a hat the day that we uh, launched. Okay. To a game. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Did you uh, did you see a lot of sales from that? Yeah. So the day that we dropped the hats, um, reached out to him and I was like, Hey, I hate to ask for favors, but anyway, you could wear a hat to the game, and he wore it. Celtics posted on their Instagram and then it. it kind of went viral, but the issue was we ran out of stock. So looking back at it, we should have like not released that day, had Peyton tease it and then sell them. Cause there's a lot of people on the website who wanted to buy it, but we just didn't have it in stock. How'd you prepare for the first drop? Like how did, did you have a big order? Yeah. So initially we ordered like 144 hats and the idea was like build some hype around TikTok, um, like have friends, like repost it, talk about it for the first like, month and then the first drop went really well we sold out in like 15 minutes okay. and now we're trying to recreate that hype every drop but it's a lot harder to do what about i saw recently casey nice that how'd that how'd that come about yeah um so casey's a big nantucket guy okay um and hooper farms is a road on nantucket yeah. so casey goes to stubbies a lot my co-founder is one of the owners of stubbies kind of friends with Casey and same thing. We kind of sent him a package blind, like not sure if he was going to wear it or even like get the package. And then two days later we're on YouTube and <laughs> we got a bunch of texts and calls being like, go check out Casey's video. And Casey was wearing the hoodie and he never mentioned it to us. He never like told us about it. He just wore it. Um, so that also helped with sales on the, on the hoodie front. That's unreal. I think, I think like, I mean, we can get kind of backtrack a little bit. Like we just got right into it. Yeah. But like, um, the biggest thing, like what I've noticed from like influencer marketing is just like organic and like, being less like in your face about it with the influencer stuff and just having a really good product goes a long way. And for a guy like Casey, where he's getting like 20 packages a, get, a day of like clothing brand or like people like saying like, Hey, wear my stuff, but like make sure to tag us. Like if you don't ask and you just like deliver, um, you know, it's crazy. And like, is that like a mindset like you had just, just with it? Yeah. hundred percent. I think being authentic is like the number one key to whether it's TikTok growth or like just getting brand awareness. Um, so a lot of times we'll send out like, uh, Jared Stidham, who's a backup quarterback for, uh, the Denver Broncos. We sent him stuff, never asked him to post more just like, Hey, like here's some stuff. Like we appreciate you. And then he started posting in it. Uh, so I think, yeah, the less, like even stuff on my own TikTok, like I've turned down a lot of brand deals from brands being like, Oh, you need to like say X, Y, and Z and like give out a discount code and like follow the script. Those videos never perform well because people are like, he's just, you know, collecting some money and that's about it. So a lot of like the brand deals I do outside of Hooper Farms, like with other you know fashion brands or skincare brands, I always prefer to like keep it authentic, real, like and not just be like, and you see it all the time, man. Like so many people I see on TikTok that post like brand deals. It's so like I'm reading off a script and those videos just never do well and people aren't going to buy from it. 
I think you've done a really good job with that. I mean, you've obviously mentioned that Hooper Farms was your brand, you know, a couple of times on your TikTok. But other than than that, you always just kind of wear the hats, you wear the hoodies, and it kind of lets it speak for itself. You know, it's a quality product that looks good. And then, you know, you're not being pushy, so people just want to buy it. Yeah, and I think that's like the whole point, right? Is just like get cool people to wear it, try to build a community around it, and not be so like in your face. Like initially, initial idea was like I didn't even want to be like sort of involved. Like I wanted to almost be like faceless and just have like just have people start wearing Hooper Farms and not kind of be directly tied to it, which is kind of how Ryan operates. Like Ryan's not usually in the videos or like talks a bunch about it. Um, but then we sort of transitioned to like we were just talking about this before we jumped on like the the creator economy and sort of. The idea of just building a following and then selling something or building some sort of valuable product around it is just the way everything's transitioning now. Where it used to be like you build a product and then go try to find customers. Now it's like reverse model of find a bunch of customers, aka followers or people that are engaged with you, and then deliver a product. I want to like jump jump back a little. So Hooper Farms obviously is your project. It's kind of outside of like your main work. How does, you know, your balance look and like, you know, maybe explain to, to the people what you do outside of that, outside of that? Yeah. Um, so I've been working for Clavio, um, which is like a marketing automation company. And we focus a lot on like fashion brands and just like direct consumer brands. So funny story. Um, basically in college, I was running this app called Jet Helper that uh, basically didn't go anywhere. So when I graduated, I had no idea what I wanted to do, like had no jobs lined up, wasn't planning on interviewing anywhere because I thought I was going to continue to build and try to scale up this app. I went to my sister's apartment. She um, lives in Boston. She's a couple years older than me. And her roommate was there. And I was just like, listen, guys, like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Like, I have nothing lined up. And she's like, well, I work for this super, super small tech company in Boston. Uh, we're trying to hire college kids. Like, do you want to apply? I can refer you. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Went to downtown Boston, took the interview, and basically took a job on the spot, knowing nothing about Clavio. Fast forward six years, I'm still at the company. We just went public, had a ton of success. And the reason I bring that up is there's a lot of overlap, right? I've sort of found a big passion for like e-commerce and the idea of just selling stuff online. And I was pretty well versed in it because I've been working there for six years and I'm into fashion. So Hooper Farms is kind of like the medium point of all that combined, like can still kind of focus on the e-commerce stuff um, while also like delivering my own sort of fashion line. And that's kind of what led me to starting Hooper Farms in the first part. So correct me if you're, I'm wrong, but like it sounds like the e-commerce start was almost an accident for you. Yeah, hundred okay. percent. Yeah, she was just like, listen, like you need, like my mom was like, Colin, you got to find a job, like, and I was like, well, I don't even know what I want to do, but I think I could sell something. So I like talking to people, and like technology is always interesting. Um, so it was a complete accident. The first three months at Clavio, I didn't know what I was doing, what Clavio was, really what e-commerce was, and then. Again, fast forward, it's like, now it's like my main gig. So it was like 17, 2017? I started, it was June 2018. Okay. And I graduated in May of 2018. Okay. Um, so I started there like three weeks after I graduated. And yeah, I'm still I'm still there kicking. So that's like a crazy time for like e-commerce too. And like, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on like, since then, the whole landscape is, obviously with COVID was crazy. But, um, you know, like walk us through that like journey of the past five years in the e-commerce world, just from drop shipping, direct to consumer brands, white labeled stuff to like big creator brands. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first started almost, you know, call it 50 to 60% of the inbound leads we were getting were drop shippers. And there was a ton of drop shippers making a ton of money. Year goes by and there's a huge shift where like Facebook ads became super expensive and brands, just, I think consumers just weren't 
sort of relating to the drop shippings anymore because they kind of figured out is essentially a scheme to some degree. So then they stopped. Like drop shipping kind of went off the map. And then there's this huge shift to like, and I think the, the overarching idea and like the theme that we see with the brands that are the most successful is like they have a really good story and a really loyal audience. And they do a really good job sort of building a personalized relationship with the customer versus just being super transactional. And then today's world, yeah, it's just a creator economy. You've seen it with like, we were talking like, Kim Kardashian and Skims, Logan Paul and Prime, and the list goes on and on. And I think that's where we're gonna continue to see it move. Like all these big creators, starting brands, already have the audience. Most of them already have access to a ton of capital and endless opportunities from there. Yeah, real quick too, like what does Clavio do? Just for people that, that don't know. Yeah, so we, we integrate with your store and basically ingest all the customer and store data. So for example, like you buy these gray sweatpants, Two days later, you get an email or a text about a similar pair of sweatpants. That's Clavio sort of powering that. So we do like email marketing, text marketing, um, Facebook and Instagram retargeting ads, and basically just like full stack marketing automation. Awesome. Yeah, I have a, I have a ton of friends like in the e-commerce space. And like I even got started in it like in 2018. Dropshipping, of course. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it was crazy. Like this is just that whole world. So yeah. And there's a lot of kids like there's definitely, you know, ways to make money like drop shipping but it's just like it, it depends on what you want to do right if the idea is to make a quick buck i think it's still feasible but i think a lot of the you know a lot of people go in the direction of like wanting to build like a genuine brand that has some longevity behind it and be able to like really scale it to the next level and in order to do that you have to like even for hooper farms right like every product gets shipped to our buddy's house like we feel the product we make sure it's good we're sending it out we're writing personalized notes we're you know dming with customers i'm texting customers like sometimes even people who buy in boston instead of shipping it to them, because it's kind of stupid if you left two minutes from them, I'll just throw 10 boxes in my car, drive to their house, you know, talk to them for a little bit. And I think that's the the biggest difference between, you know, the successful brands and then brands that are just like drop shipping, for sure. Was there a point, you know, working for Clavio that like, that's when you came up with the idea to like, you wanted to start your own brand or like you learned just the e-commerce industry or, you know, you talk about fashion, like kind of walk us through like that, like passion yeah yeah i think i mean i've always been like super into fashion um and i'd always like buy from like sort of specific like smaller brands like i never really went the route of like buying at stuff at like zara or like big box retailers i'd always try to like sort out or sift out like smaller brands that were like either like i like the founder a lot or like they just had a cool story so i was always into fashion and then it kind of got to the point where i was like man i'm spending a lot of money buying these like high fashion pieces like why don't i kind of make something on my own and then hats off to Ryan. Ryan sort of like presented the idea of he was also in a similar position where he wanted to like start something. And he knew, he knew like we're good friends, but he knew I had like the e-commerce background. So he's like, man, why don't we start like a little like hat company? This is also, also at the same time that uh, Max Siegelman, who's like a friend and uh, mentor of mine, was starting Siegelman Stable. And we saw his growth. And hats are very universal. Like girls can wear them, guys can wear them, people can pass them around. Like, so we're like, all right, let's just start with hats. And then... The, the long-term goal, and I think something we're gradually getting into, we released some hoodies recently is to do like cut and sew fabric, like actual clothes, like high quality pieces. But for now, we're just going to try to kind of build a customer base around the hats and kind of like build that brand community and brand awareness. And then it's a lot easier to sell them more products once you already have that versus coming out with a huge fashion line to start. You mentioned that you kind of draw inspiration from smaller creators. Like who are some people that you kind of style your fashion around and you use for inspiration for Hooper Farms? 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton. I think that's why, like, the beauty of the internet, right? Like, every day I'm scrolling on TikTok or Instagram, and I see, like, some random kid. He might live in, like, Denmark. A lot of Euro kids have really good fashion. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, Ben Ventura, mm-hmm. he's an influencer, basically just post-fashion. He has a ton of ideas, ton of brands. And then a lot of research, too. Like, I'll just search. I think why TikTok's been so successful is the ability to search. So I'll just search, like best men's fashion brands, right? And like find either creators or just brands alone on the app and start buying into them. Um, but I think I think Siegelman Stables sort of the pinnacle of not even a creator brand, but more just like the growth that they've seen and the, the our ability to sell out fast and get their hats on the right people without being pushy. And Max has been on podcasts before and he talks about it. Like he's not sending hats to Aaron Judge, right? Aaron Judge is going online buying the hats. He likes the brand. I think that's like, that's kind of when you know you made it. What are, what are your next steps with Hooper Farms? Like, how, who are the next athletes or and uh, influencers that you want to get Hooper Farms on? And like, why? How do you pick somebody you want to work with? Yeah, I think probably this summer we're at a weird point of like, are we going to double down on this or just kind of keep it as a side hobby? Because the first couple months we weren't like investing a ton of time into it. Um, I think as I mentioned, like Ryan's opening up Stubbies in Seaport. That's a ton of time. I was traveling a bunch. I obviously have my nine to five. So we weren't allocating a ton of time to it, but we were still seeing success. So we're like, hey, there's something here. Now I think the next month or two, we're going to go all in on the clothes, um, try to get a ton of like, again, like nice hoodies, crew necks, t-shirts, get that developed. And then in terms of like the influencer athlete model, it's tough. Like ideally we have everyone wearing it. I think we think about sports in general, like, I'm a hockey guy. Mm-hmm. Hockey guys wear suits to games, so that doesn't really work as well. Um, so probably like the the NBA route um, and try to get it to like some Celtics players. The The concept behind Hooper Farms is definitely geared toward like the Nantucket sort of East Coast lifestyle. So I don't think it would really relate to some people like, you know, out in LA or like people that don't know. It's kind of like if you know, you know brand. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who wear Hooper Farms don't even know Hooper Farms is, but the idea is everyone everyone sort of understands the meaning behind it. So I think focusing on like, yeah, Boston Celtics or like Boston influencers in general that like understand it, but also live it versus I think some brands get carried away and just like send their product to like a bunch of like Instagram models and stuff like that. And I don't think that's something, you know, that we're ever going to do. We're curious to hear your thoughts, like kind of on Boston right now, just because like, obviously we've talked about previously, just recently moving into this place. We're kind of setting, growing our roots here. You're a big Boston guy, advocate, you're building a brand, you know, what is it, what is it like in the city right now? Just, yeah. I mean, man, I think, yeah, I've been in Boston the last five years and I have zero plans on leaving. Um, I traveled a lot. Like, you know, I, there's a lot of other major markets like Miami, New York that are really fun cities, but I could personally never live in. I think Boston's the the perfect mix of like, it's a big city. You have that city vibe, but it's also just like authentic and manageable. I think the people here are incredible. The sports here are incredible. The tech ecosystem's incredible. And then you look around, you know, we have some of the most smartest educated people here with schools like MIT, Harvard, et cetera. So I think it's just a perfect sort of melting pot of like, it's fun, there's tons of good food, there's good nightlife, but it's also like work hard, play hard, tons of good jobs, tons of smart people. Um, and then you're close to everything, you know, you got Cape Cod, Nantucket, the lakes, the mountains, beaches, it's just like the perfect mix. So. Yeah, I'm I'm the biggest Boston advocate for sure. It's cool too because like building a brand or a company or something here, it's like like you said, there's a lot of opportunity, there's a lot of tech, there's a lot of, you know, you could call it competition, but at the same time, 
if you were building like Hooper Farms in New York, it would be a totally different landscape, you know, trying to get your hat on someone because there's a lot of other people trying to do the same thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's the same for like, even, you know, me being a TikTok creator, it's like, when I go out sometimes people come up to me and they're like, yo, like I see you from TikTok or like, can we get a picture versus if I was in New York or LA, it's like, if you don't have a million followers and you know, an agent, like you can't even get by. So I think there's still some competition, but I think streetwear and fashion is severely understaturated in Boston, even like the shopping, right? Like there's not a ton, like I, I'm convinced we could put a Hooper Farms pop-up and it would do pretty well versus New York. You're competing with every single big designer, big brand. So it's, it's completely different. And I think that's, kind of the beauty behind it too. Is that something you want to get into pop-ups or like events and stuff like that? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think the direct consumer model online works the best to like get started. And obviously it makes the most sense financially, but I think having some sort of physical space, it might not even be necessarily a store, but like think about like just a place people can pop in and like say, what's up, like play ping pong, have a beer, like sort of like really trying to lean into that, like community element um, is something that's definitely interesting. And I think here in Seaport, there's a lot of like those smaller sort of box shops you can rent for like, and even like the holiday market they do at Cisco. There's a lot of sort of cool, and maybe not even like a full-time spot, but like do some sort of events in the future, whether it's like, you know, renting out like a bar for a couple hours and it's like bringing a bunch of hats and inviting people to come in um, and just like getting to know the customer and like taking customer feedback too. Like we've built hats based off people being like, yo, well, you should do this. Or like, hey, I don't like this hat because the way it fits. And we try to like listen to the customer um, and just continue to kind of like iterate and make changes based off, you know, what the consumer wants. How, how did you like educate yourself on like that, that story model brand uh, kind of positioning? Yeah, I think um, a lot of books, not really books, I like podcasts a okay. lot. And I think like the entrepreneur stuff, um, like my dad was an entrepreneur, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. Um, and I think they've sort of like instilled some uh, knowledge of just like, yeah, not even how to build a company, but I think, I mean, business is just connecting with people. Right. And I think like even outside of Hooper farms, I think I like try to go above and beyond to like meet new people, connect with people, learn from people. Um, you know, whether it's an owner of a restaurant or just someone I look up to, like just trying to pick their brain and taking sort of bits and pieces from that. So I think that's definitely been helpful. Um, and then yeah, books, podcasts, and then just doing it, right? Like you don't really know what you're doing until you do it, kind of learning on the fly, um, which is what I did with that company I was trying to build in college. Like that was kind of an accident starting that. And then I learned like a million things from it. So I think just iterating and learning on the fly is like the best way to learn. Are there, is there anybody in Boston that you've learned from specifically that, that have helped like you and Ryan throughout this journey? Yeah, yeah, I think um, a couple people like, uh, Chris Jamison, who uh, owns Koji Management, okay. which is basically Lolita, Marielle, um, Coquette, Cavo, the new club. Mm -hmm. He's been a good friend and mentor of mine, which more on like the hospitality side, but more of just like, he's just a good guy. And just like his ability to connect with people has been um, something I've always admired. So him in particular, um, trying to think of anyone like specifically to call out, but it's kind of been like a cumulative effort of just like everyone, like just everyone I interact with. Like, I just want to know like, what are the thoughts on the hats? And even just like outside of Hooper Farms, right? I think Hooper Farms is just like a product of just like me and Ryan as humans. Uh, so I think like, yeah, everyone really come in contact with, we just want to get feedback from and like talk advice or whatever it is. 
Yeah, um, you mentioned the nightlife. Like what's what are your, some of your favorite spots in Boston? I mean, you named some of the best right there. Yeah, you're always going out. Yeah, I mean, I always like to show the Koji spots love for sure. Um, I did some like TikTok stuff with them, and again, Chris is a good friend of mine. So I think they they have sort of a, a well. The way I describe the Boston nightlife is a sort of two spectrums. There's like the Southie bars, like Broadway, Loco, and then there's like the clubs, right? And there's nothing really in between. So if we get into like what I want to do post Clavio, I think there's a cool opportunity there and like a, sort of like a loungy vibe of like, you're not really going out and spending a ton of money at a club, but you're also not just like standing around a bar with, with people in Southie. Um, so yeah, I think local lounge, I like a lot. Mm -hmm. That's cool. But a lot of times we just like go out to dinner and like stay there and have drinks. I think there's a lot of good food, especially in Seaport. Um, we were talking before like Lola 42 is the best. Uh, Nautilus is cool. So it depends. We either do like dinner and just like grab some drinks there or if we're going out, out, we usually go to Cavo or Marielle. Do you wish Boston had anything else that besides the lounges compared to a big city like New York or Miami? Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's really interesting that it doesn't exist today, but I think it's going to exist. Um, and I've talked to like real estate developers, Chris Jameson, investors about this, this, this kind of idea of like almost like a, like a social club to some degree or like some sort of lounge, right? Some place that you can like go, like sit on a couch, not have super loud music, come with a good group, talk to people, network. Um, there's something now called a Quinn house that does it, mm -hmm. but so that's like a paid sort of like a Soho house. Mm -hmm. That I, I don't, I think it's cool, but I don't, I don't like the idea of like paying to like try to meet with people. Um, but yeah, I think every major market has a lot more lounges like piano bars like things that are a little bit more elevated but still give you that kind of like fun going out experience and really in boston like there's really nothing like it so i think that's something that would be interesting to see if that um were to ever happen it's cool with those places too like the involvement like you can get a lot more creative with like a club it's just going to be music is like the main attraction but you can have different types of events and pop-ups and bring in local clothing brands or local artists, whether it's visual art and do like a, a gallery event or music or something like that. Um, so I, yeah, I, I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been, I've been like thinking about this idea for a while now. And um, I think, you know, since I was fortunate at Clavio to get some, some equity uh, with the recent IPO, like whenever it might be like in the next couple months or years or however long I stay at Clavio for after that, I'd love to get into like, the hospitality space and you just hit like exactly what I was talking about. Like kind of like a communal, just kind of create some sort of ecosystem of like, yeah, not just like partying and like going to a, you're at Cavo. It's like, it's loud. You know, you're not meeting someone and having a good conversation there. Um, and same thing with the Southie bars, right? It's like, you usually go out there. It's fun, but it's loud. There's a million people running around. It's not as intimate. And I think there, there could be uh, definitely room for some sort of, yeah, maybe lounge is the wrong word, but almost just like, some networking space and to your point like bring in like local artists um you know live music um and just try to attract the right people they're just like you know middle-aged people just want to like go meet people in boston um and like build build connections that way so right now obviously you are still with clavio you're you're working nine to five you have your content your your brand and all that how do you balance that what does the day-to-day -day kind of structure look like yeah. So, I mean, being in sales, the day to day varies a lot. Like there's some days where I'm like have back to back calls other like all day long. Other days, like I'm a little bit more open. So I think just like time management, super important in terms of like, obviously the Clavio nine to five is the most important. Like that's why I allocate most of my time to, but then there's the whole time after work. Right. So like from five to 9 PM, 
I work on a lot of Hooper Farm stuff. I make most of my content at night. I post most of my content at night. Um, so usually it's like nine to four, Clavio, four till whenever I go to bed, 11 p.m., content, Hooper Farms. And then weekends, usually just Hooper Farms, content, or like just hanging out. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like it seems like that's so much of a passion of yours so that like when you're done, you close your computer, you're done with the work day, the other stuff that technically is work doesn't really feel like it, right? Yeah, 100%. And like the ideal space is like Hooper Farm is paying me the same amount as Clavio is paying me and I just do Hooper Farms full time. But yeah, to your point, like I think if you're going to do anything outside of work, if you're not passionate for it, even with work, like I have a lot of friends that like just try to get paid to do like these corporate jobs and they hate it. And I just like, like I really enjoy Clavio is the reason I've been there for so long. So it's, it's a, it's perfect in the sense that like I wake up, I look forward to what I'm going to do for work. That's obviously 401k insurance, like paying me a month, uh, you know, yearly salary. And then on the side, I'm doing something I'm also passionate about. So it's like most of my days I'm doing stuff that I enjoy. And I think that's what kind of keeps me going and keeps me like so high energy. Do you ever feel like there's a, like a conflict of interest might not be the right word, but do you ever feel it's like that work might not be happy that you spend so much time on side projects or does um, Ryan ever feel like you're spending too much time at your nine to five? No, I think honestly, most of my coworkers at Clavio and like my managers support, like they love it. I think Clavio has done a really good job, like encouraging people to do things outside of work. And I think on top of that, there's a lot of people that work at Clavio that run e-commerce brands. Cause again, it's like the exact same thing. We're doing it all day long. Like we're, you know, we call ourselves experts in the e-commerce space. So like my direct manager wears a Hooper farms hats on most of his sales calls. Uh, like people support it. I think there's always going to be like, you know, an internal battle of like, should I spend more time on this, spend more time on that. But I think as long as you have some sort of balance, like, you know, whether it shakes out to be two hours less, two hours more, it's not really going to you know make that big of a difference. Yeah, no, having the support is definitely huge because right now, like Wags and I, we aren't working nine to fives and this podcast and, you know, this company as a whole is, you know, our full focus. And, you know, sometimes it can be, you know, demoralizing if it's not going as well as we think it should be. Um, but, you know, the support network is always huge. You said that you had your dad as an entrepreneur, your grandfather as an entrepreneur. Did you gain some, like, did you draw inspiration from them like what businesses were they in yeah 100 percent um so both my dad and grandfather um were in the recruitment business um so they recruit uh doctors and like surgeons and stuff like that my dad's always told me one of my favorite quotes is either work for the man or be the man um so even like growing up like my brother and i were always trying to like whether it was like lemonade stands or just like figure out ways to make money um and just like the idea behind like kind of controlling your own destiny not necessarily responding to, you know, some boss that's telling you what to do. And there's obviously pros and cons to it, right? Like it's a lot riskier. Um, there's a lot more volatility of like things to go really good or really bad. But I think if you believe in yourself, like just roll the dice, like I'm a huge fan of what you guys are building. This is cool. Like the fact you guys went all in, it's like you're controlling your own destiny, right? If it blows up, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you guys, it doesn't blow up, you guys at least learn from it and you can go pivot and do something else and you can learn from that. So I think, the entrepreneur piece is like, especially in today's world where take it 50 years ago, you had to be a doctor, a lawyer, a business guy to make money. Now it's like you see kids on TikTok making money dancing. Like there's so many ways to kind of like create value and generate income that today's world is the best time to be an entrepreneur. And if you don't go ahead and try to do something, then you're gonna live your whole life being like, 
ah, uh, you know, maybe I should have tried it. And then my last point on this is like, now is the best time to do it at our age, right? I don't have a house, a mortgage, kids to worry about. Like, it's kind of just me, myself, and I. So I have like the time, the energy, and the resources to try to you know go build something, whether it's Hooper Farms long term or not. Like, I'm always going to be working on something. It keeps me like mentally stimulated, and I I love the idea of like just creating something. The crazy thing is too, like, I mean, you work for a company in a corporate environment that just went public because of entrepreneurs and because of e-commerce, this like almost gold mine that was created somewhat recently. Yeah. Yeah. It was founded in 2012. Um, it was these two guys, they're our CEO basically built the Clavio product and he still works there. Um, he's still our CEO. He was the original engineer, but yeah, exactly to that. Right. And like it happens all the time, like these companies getting acquired for hundreds of millions of dollars. And a lot of the businesses too, it's, it's a simple idea, right? Like I think, people get sort of intimidated by entrepreneurship because they think they need to create the next Facebook or, you know, some crazy uh, medicine product. And really it's not like you can, you know, there's people, the girl who started uh, like the fidget spinner or whatever, or the silly band they got bought for $200 million by target. Like it's, that's a, such a simple concept. So I think a lot of people like overcomplicate it, but I think if you find something that you know, doesn't exist in the market and you're passionate about it, at least try, you know? You know, not every company needs to be, you know, the next Facebook, like you said, but what's it been like kind of being an early employee at Clavio and then seeing them grow, you know, raising Series A, Series, yeah, Series A and then going public, like on the back end, what was that like? Yeah, it was wild. I think it's, it was probably the best thing that could ever happen to me. Um, I learned so much so quickly and I think now it translates to a lot of things, right? Like if I ever leave Clavio, I want to get a different job. I'll have a really good story to tell of like, I started when the company was here revenue, here employees wise, and like, here's what we did to get to that sort of next jump. Um, and I was super close with leadership. So which helped me get like promoted quickly, got roles that like, I probably didn't really deserve, but like just being in the office all day, surrounded by a ton of smart people, a ton of smart, um, like engineers, product people, not sometimes a sales guy, right? I think a lot of people work in sales, in their end, their office with just salespeople versus I was kind of in like, I sat next to like our chief revenue officer, our director of product. It was kind of always listening to those conversations. So I just learned a ton about not just necessarily, you know, e-com and like Clavio specifically, but more just like how people think, how they make decisions um, and everything that's tied in with that, that yeah, made me like learn it super fast. Um, and then get promoted faster. So I always tell people like, people ask me like for advice on like, hey, if I wanna you know work in tech, what should I do? And I'm like, find a small company that has a really good product and a really smart team and just work there versus going to jump to one of these massive companies like Amazon where you're kind of just a number and no one's really gonna talk to you. You talk to your manager twice a week. I just don't think that's the right way of doing it. Yeah, it's tough. I worked at Oracle right out of college and then, you know, it's like a sweatshop. Exactly. I mean, there, a lot go, of, yeah. there was like 300 kids in my BDC class, you know, wasn't really set up for success. And it makes me really wish I started at a smaller company yeah. like you. Yeah, I think I have tons of friends who do the same thing. And it's just like, and not saying one way is better than the other, but like my, my thoughts on has always been like small company, get in the weeds and you can just, it's just, in my opinion, a lot, a lot better. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to get in trouble. I think I've shit on Oracle in like four different <laughs> yeah. episodes so far. That's funny. But um, what, is, what is, you know, some of your favorite stories so far, just like from building a brand, whether it's, you know, positive or like has anything like gone wrong with it? 
just like some real real stories yeah we had a we had a lot of things go wrong with um hooper farms the <laughs> the first time was uh so when we first dropped it was four different hats and i don't know why or what we were thinking but we printed out all the shipping labels put them on the boxes and basically once you mess up one person's order, you mess up all the orders. And it was like 144 hats. A lot of friends that like showed love to me and bought hats, like family members showed love to me and bought hats. And we basically messed up one order and then we, early on shipping boxing. And then we messed up every single one after that. Because it was like out of sync by out one of or something. Out of sync by one, exactly. Yeah. So almost every single person got the wrong hat. Oh, no. Um, and thankfully, like it was our first go around. Like people know we're a small brand. And we're trying to figure it out. So no one was like really upset about it. But it was kind of just like we were so dialed in for the launch and like, we felt really good about it. And we're like, we want everything to go perfect, which is kind of a naive way of thinking. But yeah, basically everyone, a single person got the, the wrong hat. So that was a good learning experience. Um, there's been a couple other just like small things that like, or even things you don't really think about that like we're trying to do. Um, like branded boxes, like uh, what's the other one we just tried to do? Yeah, like the branded boxes we, we did, we ordered them. The per, it was person wrote Hopper Farms, H O P P E R, and they sent it to us like check, make sure it was good. And we like, we were just like, yeah, it's good. We saw like our logo, we're like it has to be good. We didn't even look twice about it, and then we got those and it was spelled incorrectly, so that we lost like whatever a couple hundred bucks there. But I think that's kind of the beauty of it, right? Like if things go smooth, that means something's wrong, right? Like so I think. Well, now like you're never gonna mess up the shipping process again because exactly you, you failed on the first time. Yeah, it wasn't even that big of a, a deal. So. Yeah, I mean it could have been that looking back at it like. People are way cooler about it than we thought. Well, if it was shirts and it was sizes and stuff, yeah, it would be, yeah. be worse. But I think it just goes back to like attention to detail, slowing down. Like I think both Ryan and I are kind of like go, go, go guys, uh, which for some, you know, it's, it's, it could be good, but it's also like there's little things you got to like slow down and make sure you do right. Um, Cause for some people, maybe they would be like, all right, like we don't like this brand anymore. So I think like treating each customer like they're, you know, one of one is something we're trying to focus on now. Was there anything on the kind of opposite side of that spectrum where either, you know, it was early on and it was like something clicked, you were just like, wow, this is like, I'm finally doing this or uh, just like some kind of positive favorite moment so far? Yeah, I think, um, I think just like being out in public and seeing people wearing it is super cool. Like we did the first drop um, and then like right after was July 4th when I ran into you on Nantucket mm -hmm. and I saw like three or four people just wearing Hooper Farms hats. And it was probably literally only three or four people, but it was still the, the, like we were out like uh, I forgot where we were, but maybe at a bar somewhere. And this kid was wearing the hat and he, I was wearing my hat, too. So he came up to me and he was like, "Yo, you're the same hat. Like, 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 how do you know about this brand or whatever? And I was like, and then I talked to him for a while and introduced myself. But I think just seeing people wearing it is just like makes me smile and kind of like makes me want to like sell more hats. Because the idea is you get like everyone wearing it. Right. Like I want to be able to go out. Like I'll walk home after this and see like 10 people wearing it, right? Versus like there might be a slim chance we see one person wearing it. But I think that's just like seeing people wear it and enjoy it and style it is, is the coolest part. You kind of touched on like earlier your career right now potentially coming to an end and, and focusing on like other projects. Do you want to talk about that? Is there anything specific or anything like kind of open-ended that you're just thinking about right now? Yeah. I mean, I think like I don't really know when my career at Clavio is going to end, but I think at some point it's going to. And I think after that, I want to go all in on, on myself. Right. So I think like that could be, you know, 
doubling down on Hooper Farms. Um, I teased earlier, like the hospitality space really interests me. Like, it'd be super cool to own like a little restaurant or social club or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, or it might change, right? I think I'm like always open ears to like new thoughts and I'm always brainstorming, you know, different businesses or different ideas or like part of me wants to just like travel for three months and like go out to Bali and just like hang out. So I don't know. And I think it's like, okay, not to know what you want to do next and just like go with the flow, like kind of be adaptable, like see what's out there, see like what might change. And um, yeah, whether it's Hooper or restaurant or moving to Bali and going off the map, like yeah, I'm not <laughs> I'll exactly come to, sure. I'll go to Bali. Shit, yeah. that, sounds, that sounds pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to go. Uh, so something cool that Clavio did was if you've worked there for five or more years, they give you a sabbatical. So it's four weeks paid time off. And they encourage you to like learn something new, travel somewhere so I can apply for that in January and I want to do it in the summer and yeah, just go to Bali for like four weeks and like live in a hostel and like grow my hair out and just like maybe never come back. We'll become see. a DJ probably. Yeah, yeah become a DJ, <laughs> like get a bunch of tattoos. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. But yeah, I'm going to do that. That'll be in the summer. Go to Europe for a little bit. My sister was getting married in Europe in October. So like stay out there for a while and then come back and you know, be in a good position to either like continue at Clavio or kind of roll the dice and like try to do something on my own. How did you, uh, how did you start making content? Yeah, it's kind of another funny story I kind of ran into. Um, so I was, uh, living with my girl, ex-girlfriend now, uh, and she, her and her friends were all doing TikTok, and they're like, Colin, you're the most like charismatic, crazy person. You're always doing fun stuff. You should just film it for TikTok. And I was always kind of against it. I was like, ah, it's like, kind of cringy. I didn't really get it, but I was like, all right, I'll just like try. I'll film some stuff. So I filmed a couple like day in my life. So just like working and, you know, maybe going to a Bruins game or going out to dinner or whatever. And the first couple of videos did like crazy well. And then obviously once you see the views, you get like hooked. So then I was like, I got to keep doing this. Um, so I start off by doing all kind of like day in the life content. And then I sort of pivoted into like the fashion, like get ready with me. I think like there, at the time there wasn't, a, at least in Boston, there was like no guy creators. Um, and if they were, they were like really niche focused. Like they were like doing gym stuff or like specifically fashion or like cooking or whatever it was. But there was no one that was really doing like lifestyle stuff and just filming like normal stuff they do throughout the day. So I kind of like went down that avenue, um, had a lot of fun doing it, got to like 10,000 followers pretty quickly. And then I kind of plateaued uh, and kind of stopped posting. I also felt like for a while I got like really engulfed in TikTok to the point where I was like doing stuff just to make TikToks. And I'm like, okay, I have to go out to dinner tonight to film something. It became kind of over-consuming. So I was like, all right, let me like stop posting for like a month, take a step back, figure out like what I actually want to post um, and like what my followers want me to post. And then, yeah, took a couple months off, got back into it, started working with some brands, um, started reaching out to some brands like restaurants and stuff like that. Tried doing like some food reviews, um, you know, shopping around Boston. And even now it's sort of a constant changing environment of like, I don't really know. Like people say like, do you have a niche? I'm like, not really. I kind of just like, sometimes I'll post fashion videos, then I'll do like a sushi review and then I'll like just hold the camera up and just like rant about <laughs> some random topic. So I haven't quite figured it out, which I think is okay. And I think like, that's kind of what I want to do. I don't want to just be like glued to like one specific thing. Um, well, with the way too that TikTok works is like, if you 
only post one style of video that's what like people are going to know you for and that's the only video that's going to do well so by keeping it broad like it's it's definitely yeah and there's more opportunities to work with brands right like if i just did cooking stuff i'd only be able to work with cooking supply brands versus now it's like i do like skincare i do fashion i do like whatever it might be i sort of could like make a video about anything because my content's basically about anything as well What's your advice for somebody who's just starting to, you know, post on TikTok or post on social media in general? I think um, it's funny you ask because my uh, my gym trainer, um, he's he's trying to get into it. And I think you have to have like a face behind your content in the sense that I think a lot of people are like almost afraid to talk on camera, and, like show their true colors and who they actually are. I think that's the only way to get followers. Like, for example, like some people will like, like just film like you know, clips like, and they're not in it and they're not talking in it and they do some trending sound behind it. I think it might work for a little bit and you can get one video that might do super well, but I think to like build an audience and get people to follow you, like they follow you because of your, you not necessarily because I go to Bruins games. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think like being okay with being on camera and like just talking and like being genuine and not like trying to act like someone else or using a different style voice or saying different things because you're on camera. Like I keep it authentic. I swear I say whatever I want. Like I keep it pretty like open. And I think people like you want people to meet you in person and be like, Oh, that's the same kid that's on TikTok." Yeah. versus like not to name names, but you guys probably there's people that are on TikTok and in person, they're completely different people. And I think just being like super authentic, being passionate about what you're posting about responding to comments, engaging with people. That's like the best way to do it. And then how do you deal with like a bunch of the keyboard warriors? Cause you definitely have a few of those in your comments. Oh man. Yeah. I get, uh, it used to be really bad. Um, partially because I, I played into a character. So for like, I thought it did work a little bit, which looking back on it's something I kind of regret, but I really leaned into like the new England, like trust fund kid character, mm-hmm. um, which people automatically just like rip on. And I think there's sort of two ways of doing it. Now I, I try to ignore people, but I used to like respond to comments and like double down on it and like go back and forth with people, which is one way of doing it. Um, but now I think, at least I'd, I like to think that I sort of shifted the content. That's kind of when I started plateauing. And I also was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to like constantly like pretend I have a trust fund and like run around and spend a ton of money doing crazy stuff. So I sort of shifted now. And it's interesting because I think my followers shifted and like the comments have shifted. Like now I get a lot more positive comments. Like I've been doing like gym content and people are like, yo, congrats. Like you look good. Like you're not drinking as much, but I think there's always going to be keyboard warriors. I like that term you call them. And I think it's either like either just ignore them or like have fun with it. Like don't, you gotta have thick skin. Like mm-hmm. you can't like, if you're going to get upset by what some like user three, five, three, 15 year old kid posted, then it's like maybe TikTok's not for you, but I don't know. It's just like ignored or like, I think having fun with it, like respond to people, getting people going. Like, it's just, it's just funny. I feel like the thing with those, like on like both like a reassurance side, but also like a numbers thing is like, it's actually helping you when like people are hating because a, they're watching their, your videos. So like, it's like back end, like TikTok, like watch times going up. They're engaging with the videos because they're commenting. And it's just like, you know, you know that if you're doing something right, people are going to hate on you. And so like that, that's just like an ingredient to success. Yeah. hundred percent agree. And I've like commented back at people being like, Hey, like they'll say something crazy and I'll be like, just like, just keep watching, you know, like it's like people are going to say what they want, but yeah, it helps. Right. And if if people aren't like talking shit, then like you're probably not doing something right. You think about LeBron James, like half the people hate on that guy, but it's like, he's LeBron James. Like that's a crazy example, but like you get what I mean. (laughs) Totally. Um, So yeah, I think use it as like motivation and just like, 
it's just it's it's TikTok, man. You know, it's not like these people aren't gonna. I've had people come up to the streets. It's always been positive. Like no one's gonna come up to me and be like, "Yo, I hate you. You're from TikTok." And like no one's gonna say anything, you know. So it's like, it is what it is. Just roll with the punches. Yeah, my favorite comment to get is like, we'll post a clip, just to post one, and we'll be like, "Oh, we should start a podcast, bro." Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Because, you know, everybody's got one nowadays, but yeah, we like those to, are kids that like don't know how to start a podcast mm-hmm. or wouldn't go out and do it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Do you think that right now, um, like being Colin Powell, like and on TikTok, like fun, like kind of funnels customers to Hooper Farms, or do you think people are kind of discovering your TikTok because they found Hooper Farms first? No, I think I think definitely the first thing you said, like it's definitely like our initial customers definitely came from TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I mean, we have people like bought like the other day, some guy bought from like London, Australia, Paris, a lot of Canadian kids, and those are all kids from TikTok. So I think. TikTok is the single-handedly the best marketing uh, avenue. Um, and I think some people might like find Hooper Farms and then like tap into my TikTok. But I think for the most part, it's people that either know Nantucket, know Stubbies, Ryan, my co-founder, or are from TikTok. And now that we've done a couple successful drops, it could be that kind of like once removed, right? Like a person that follows me on TikTok bought a hat and their you know girlfriend's buddy also wants to buy a hat mm-hmm. um so it's kind of like that word of mouth like once one person sees it it's easier to get customers once you have customers does it ever feel like a chore going out because we're always joking about we got to keep up appearances make it look like we're doing well so do you always have to go out do you always have to have a table at Mariel to make it seem like cooper farms is killing it yeah it's it's that's definitely a something i sort of always battle with of like not necessarily like to show that like Hooper Farms being successful. I think it's more of like an ego thing that I'm trying to kind of work through right yeah. now. Of like, most of the times when we go out, like we go out, like you know, and have mm. some like have some big ones. And part of, part of it's just like, hey, like we like to have fun. Like a lot of like my friends and I are successful. Like we we're okay with spending the money. It's like have a good time. But I think six months ago it was real bad where I was like literally doing things to keep up with the social media image and the TikTok image of like, hey, if I don't post a video, you know going to like every sporting event this week and like that I'm at the clubs with like a, you know, bottle girls dancing, then people are gonna be like, oh, calm, it fell off. So I think that it got real bad. So that's when I stopped posting. I was telling you guys, I moved my parents' lake house for like two months, got out of the city and just tried to like kind of reset and like just get back to like reality. And now I think I don't feel that pressure. And now I'm just want to post more like just genuine stuff, gym content, like, not as much like it used to be like literally just videos and us like doing crazy stuff um and yeah i'm very thankful that i kind of got out of that because that, that's a slippery slope man like mm-hmm. you see kids doing it now and like it's and i was in it for a little bit and i was like oh man this is crazy even just like the drinking and like constantly feeling obligated to like i can't like you know make a video of me cooking at home like i gotta be at you know moo or ocean prime or like somewhere and like you know be wearing a crazy outfit and a hooper hat but now I think I've 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 get kind of grown up and matured, uh, which has been eye-opening for sure. It's good. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think um, that, I think that's I think that's good. Unless yeah, definitely. There's anything you want to add? No. Um, I appreciate yeah. you guys having me. Can thanks you, for coming through. Definitely. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for hopping on. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah, we'll have to have you on again sometime. Yeah. Talk Once about Cooper Farms has a couple of social clubs in Boston. Yeah, yeah, and everything. No, 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 we'll be buzzing. We should uh, awesome. wait Do on it. Uh, get you and Ryan on episode someday, maybe on Nantucket. Yeah, yeah, Ryan's you got to talk to. He has a cool story, and I think what Stubbies is building is really special too. So mm-hmm. yeah, anytime. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Sure.